This is the last week to get your early bird PetCon tickets. While you're listening, open a separate tab right now and go to PetCon.co. That's P-E-T-C-O-N dot C-O and get your tickets before prices go up. As a reminder, PetCon is November 17th and 18th at the Javits Center in New York City. Two days of insightful panels, fun activations, and can't-miss meet-and-greets with your favorite celebrity pets like Tuna Melts My Heart, Harlow and Sage, Hamlet the Piggy, and of course this week's guest, Sprout. You'll discover new brands and can shop our highly curated selection of innovative favorite products. Hang out in the dog adoption garden, an adoptable cat cafe, and maybe even bring home a furry best friend or two. You won't want to miss this. Okay? Tickets acquired? Awesome. Now let's get back to the podcast. Hi, I'm Lonnie Edwards, the founder of The Dog Agency and Pet Insider, and you're listening to the Pet Insider Podcast. This is a show about the latest and greatest across the pet world. Whether you're a pet parent or just a little pet crazy, Pet Insider has you covered. We get it. We're obsessed too. It's pretty much a game for him where the objective is to get the treat as fast as he can. But the rules change every time, and as we're learning a trick, they get harder. So for him, his mind is just reeling, thinking, what do I need to do to get this treat? That was Sigrid Nielsen, human to the dog agency client, Brussels Sprout. Sigrid will discuss how she and Sprout got into agility training, some of their favorite tricks, and bonding with your dog over training. Now let's get back to Sigrid. Thank you, Sigurd and Sprout, for coming. Thank you for having us. We're so excited to be in here with you today. So starting from the beginning, how did you and Sprout connect? So we found Sprout through a reputable breeder that we found through the American Brussels Griffon Association and through some also friends who'd worked with that breeder. And we sort of talked with her for a few months and went to go meet the puppies. And we'd actually been thinking we were going to get Sprout's sibling. But as soon as we got there... Sprout basically stood away from the rest of the crowd and he just came over and he stuck his little pout in the air and he tilted his head at me and he stared at me with these like big blinking eyes and I was actually like taken aback by how small and weird looking he was (laughs) but I immediately fell in love with him and whenever we tried to go see the other puppies he would just stand in front of them and keep coming back to us so it was pretty clear that he chose us right away um brought him home when he was about 13 weeks old and He's just been an amazing dog since then. And when he was a puppy, what was his personality like? He's always been a little bit of an old soul. He's playful, but he's not, he was never rambunctious, which I actually really loved. I think we got, we lucked out because he's just got a more calmer personality. He's like the sweetest natured person ever. (laughs) He's not a person, dog ever. (laughs) He's kind of like a person. (laughs) When I think of him as a person, I picture like, a little boy who's in like third grade and he's kind of nerdy and he like sits in the front of class and raises his hand and he's just like the sweetest little boy ever but he like doesn't really want to like get dirty or like you know wrestle with his friends but he's just like the sweetest thing. So Sprout is now known for his amazing tricks. How did that start? So it started with me just wanting a dog who was really well-adjusted and really well-behaved. So we put him in puppy kindergarten right away, which by the way, puppy kindergarten, I highly recommend to everyone because you learn so many valuable things other than just sit. Like we learned about playing doctor with your puppy and getting them used to having people touch them. We learned about how to sensitize them to noise, how to socialize, how to sort of nip behaviors in the bud, like getting them not to bark when they want things and um, stuff like that. So it was really helpful. But anyways, we put him in puppy kindergarten 
And I noticed through that that he was just gaining a lot of confidence in learning how to do things. In addition to being the sweetest puppy ever, he was pretty shy. He's two and a half pounds when we got him, so the world is really big and overwhelming to him. And I found that as he was starting to learn behaviors, he was just gaining confidence. Like he knew what he was supposed to do and he was picking it up really quickly. And he loved treats, so that <laughs> helps too. Let's be honest, he's motivated by that. And when I was seeing how much he was enjoying that, um, I was thinking about where we go from there once puppy kindergarten ends. And we were talking with a dog trainer who, I didn't even notice this, I was just talking to her. Within five minutes, she taught him how to take a bow. And she's like, this is a tricks dog. And I was like, okay, he's gonna be a tricks dog. So we enrolled him in a tricks class. And again, he picked up on it so quickly. I had the most fun with him. Um, we took a couple of other classes and then we started putting him in agility training. I think through the tricks classes, the most important thing that we learned is I learned sort of the process for how to teach him. Like I now understand, I'm by no means a professional dog trainer, but like I know now how to say, okay, this is my end goal. Here's how I can train him to do this. And I think what he picked up was just a capacity to learn. For him, I think when we do training, it's pretty much a game for him where the objective is to get the treat as fast as he can. <laughs> But the rules change every time and as we're learning a trick they get harder so for him his mind is just reeling thinking what do i need to do to get this treat so now that he's developed this capacity to learn it's really just translatable into so many things and from there i've been able to just continue the training on our own and i'll just think back like what do i want to teach him next and we'll just go from there and how did you decide to go from the trick training to agility training? So he was in one of his tricks classes, he was introduced to some sort of like smaller indoor agility equipment, like a little tunnel, or he learned how to jump through my arms. And when he first saw the agility equipment, to be honest, I thought he might be intimidated by it. Some puppies are scared to go through the tunnel or over like the tiny little seesaw. And he was so much more confident about it than I expected. And he really liked it. Like he loved going through that tunnel. And once we'd sort of taken all the tricks classes we could, I wanted to continue the training with him. So we looked into an agility foundations class when he was around a year old and went and he just loved it. So we've been going ever since. And where do you go for these agility competitions? <laughs> so agility training, I think, is like the one thing you cannot find in Manhattan. You need a pretty large space to set up all of the obstacles. So we now we train at a place in New Jersey. So we drive to New Jersey every weekend for his class. When we first started, we were going to another training center that we love in White Plains. I kind of felt like Allie Raceman's mom or something because the intro classes are Saturday at 8 a.m. But this place is like a narrow way. So I was getting up when it was like dark out, like throwing on my sweatpants, like finding our zip car and driving him up there early in the morning. And I'm like, why am I doing this? And then we would get there and he would just be the happiest thing ever. And I'm like, okay, that's why we're doing it. So what are these agility competitions like? What types of things does he do? Are they always different? Yeah. So for anyone who doesn't know what agility is as well, it's basically, it's a dog sport. It really is a sport, I swear. Um, it is basically navigating an obstacle course where you, the human or handler, are helping your dog go through the course. And there are jumps, and there are tunnels, and there are poles they weave through. And then there's what we call contact obstacles, like a seesaw that they have to like go over and tip to come down. There's this thing called the A-frame, which is basically like five feet tall of a platform that they have to go up and over. So what you're doing is there's a set course, and you as the handler, you go from obstacle one to, you know, 
14 or 15 or 20 or however many they are. And what makes it so hard is your dog is off leash. You can't touch your dog and you can't touch the obstacles. And when you go to a competition, you don't know what the course is until you get there. You pick up a little course map and then you usually have about 10 minutes before the class starts to walk the course. And you have to go out there and try to figure out what your strategy is and whatnot. And then the class starts and whoever does it the fastest and the cleanest wins. So it's, it's pretty competitive. Um, it's a lot harder than it looks. <laughs> It's been a really humbling experience for me because I'm trying to, I'm not very good at it. Sprout is good at it, but I'm like running around this course trying to cue him and it just feels like the most awkward thing ever. It's amazing to watch. There's some videos. <laughs> <laughs> the Unscratched like, channel, the behind the scenes of you guys running through Yeah, together. there's okay. there's videos. They're, they were, that to me, like. They're amazing. I, I had to like. <laughs> put away my pride when I shared them because the dog looks great, but I'm like crouching over trying to navigate him around this course. <laughs> and it's funny, our trainer, when I started working with her, she would like, she's trying to be really polite and she'd be like, okay, you're doing this um, weird thing with your hands. And I, and I was like, okay. And then she'd like in the next week, she'd be like, okay, you're kind of doing this like crouching thing. And eventually I was like, Nikki, basically all of your feedback to me is be less weird. <laughs> So like now that we know each other, let's not just like not sugarcoat it. So now she's just like, okay, you're doing this weird like matrix thing with your arms, and like sometimes I'll just joke with her that I'll like start like exaggerating things. Like I've definitely she's been like, you're doing this weird thing with your hands, and I'm like, what? Like jazz hands? And I start like trying to do jazz hands at the course. So I'm really awkward at agility, but the dog's really good and it's fun to watch him. One of the things that I found really interesting about agility is how much your dog is picking up on your behavior and these little signals and cues. And it's been really fascinating because sometimes like say we'll be going through a course and I need him to go into a tunnel and he'll miss the tunnel entrance. Our trainer will be like, stop, look at your feet. And I will look down and like my feet are like pointed not at the tunnel they're pointed in a different way and like that's why the dog missed the tunnel entry so it's been really interesting just to learn how connected you can be with your dog and how much they're just picking up on these little signals that I just don't even realize I'm giving off what are the people like at these agility competitions are they stage moms are they (laughs) (laughs) Um, most of them I found have been doing it for a number of years Sprout is a little bit of, he's not your typical agility dog from a looks perspective. There's a lot of like border collies and shelties and these like really like athletic speedy dogs that you would think of traditionally. There were a lot of other little dogs, like there's Dachshunds, there's like Dobermans, there are a variety of breeds. Basically the jumps are just set at different heights depending on how tall your dog is. Sprout jumps eight inches, which still to me is pretty high for him, but he's a champ, he's athletic. When we went to the competitions, I was a little intimidated at first, but I found everybody was really nice to me and really helpful and I think they're excited to see someone else who's getting into the competition. Most people have been doing it for many years. They've had like different agility dogs. Sometimes they've picked their dog on purpose because like that's the dog they want to go to nationals with for agility or whatever. Um, But they're excited to see someone else who's getting into the sport. So people have always been really helpful. It's competitive. No one's like tripping dogs beforehand or like people are competitive with themselves. And every once in a while, every once in a while you see someone who is like, frustrated with their dog but I think that's sort of the anomaly because everyone tries to remind themselves that usually if something goes wrong it's the handler's mistake going back to what I was saying about you know trying to cue him into a tunnel and it turns out my feet were the wrong direction when you make mistakes at a competition it's usually something similar so everybody tries to remind themselves that we're there to have fun 
It doesn't really matter, which is something that we've sort of reminded ourselves of too, but everyone's supportive. So while they're competitive, they're still like cheering if you have like a great run and it's a lot of fun. Do you practice for agility at home as well? Um, A little bit. It's hard to practice for agility at home because I live in Manhattan in an apartment. (laughs) Um, We have some at-home agility equipment and it's funny, I... I don't want him jumping on the hardwood floors because he can slip and it's not very safe. Again, I'm like super like safety first. So sometimes I set up his jump and his tunnel in the hallway in our apartment. And every once in a while, our like neighbors will get home and they'll kind of like look at us at first and they'll be like, what are you doing? And then they'll like watch the dog jump and they get a kick out of it. So fortunately, our neighbors are, are, are pretty cool about that. So agility, obviously, is a whole, there's a lot to train. But even beyond that, being off leash, how did you handle that piece of training and getting him to stay by you and and not run off? There's a lot of foundational work of just different drills and sort of handler exercises and keeping your dog to be focused. But in general, it's, it's interesting. I've had dogs pretty much all my life, and Sprout is the only dog I've ever trusted off leash. Obviously, if we're in Manhattan or something like that, he's very clearly on a leash. But if we go... <laughs> upstate if we're at the beach I feel comfortable with him having him off leash it was kind of scary the first time I did it we were upstate somewhere and there was sort of like a large feel and we wanted to go play fetch I just made it a training thing right away um he does a hand target which is basically his signal for come so I put out my hand and he runs over and he knows to touch his nose to my hand and as soon as I took him off leash for the first time I had a bunch of treats with me and I just started doing hand targets so immediately he was coming over to me And then so sort of realizing, okay, mom has good things. If I come over, like the same rules apply off leash as they do on leash. When I see this hand, I come over there. And then as he was sort of playing or sniffing around, I would just randomly, again, give him the signal and be like, Sprouty here. And he'd come over and he'd get his treat. So he sort of realized, okay, I'm sort of playing around, but I still come back to mom. And I just sort of periodically integrated in just having him stop what he was doing and come over and give me a hand target so that he just sort of realized I can do whatever, but I still need to listen to mom when she says something to me. And that's sort of how I started building up trust with him off leash. You're constantly working on new tricks. How do you come up with the new ideas for them? At this point, they kind of pop into my head. Sometimes there's a specific reason or there's a thing I want to train him to do. So like I was trying to get some behaviors that would be good poses for photos. I was working on teaching him to like prop his front legs up on a table or something so that he could sort of pose or something like for the 4th of July, I wanted him to hold a flag. So I would just go from there and teach him a flag. Half the time, I feel like they just randomly pop into my head. Like I taught him to boop his own nose (laughs) and I was just sitting there one day and I kept booping his nose and I was like, I wonder if that's annoying for him. (laughs) (laughs) And so I was like, maybe I'll see if he like, I'll teach him how to do it because then it's not just like me annoying my dog. It's my dog. Like participating in this behavior. So I just started trying to teach him how to boop his own nose. And now he does it. I like put my finger out and he comes over and touches his nose to it. (laughs) How often do you do training with him? Probably every, almost every day. I think one of the misconceptions around training is that it's really time intensive. And it's actually better for your dog if you just do it in short spurts, particularly if you have a small puppy because their attention span is limited. They can get frustrated after too long. They can also get tired. So when we do training, it's like 10 minute bursts. Like I'll get home from work and before I feed him dinner, I'll just grab some treats and we'll work on whatever it is we're practicing. And I'll do that once or twice a day or just here or there. And that's all you really need to work on training with your dog. And you're working on an awesome trick now. Can you talk about that a little bit? (laughs) (laughs) This is like my piece de resistance in training. I like, I, we're still in progress, but I have this ultimate vision. So I'm teaching him to push a shopping cart 
and to put things in the shopping cart as well. He already knows how to clean up his toys. So we're working on translating that to the shopping cart, which I like spent hours scouring the internet to try to find a sprout sized shopping cart. Kids toy carts are way too big for him. He's only 10 inches tall. So I had to find, I think it's supposed to be like kitchen decor, but it's basically this like one foot metal shopping cart. So he's, he's learning to put his toys in it and he's learning to push it as well. And I want to ultimately sort of sequence it into him, like going down an aisle of a store, stopping, putting something in the cart and then like continuing to shop. We still haven't like strung all the pieces together, but it's been really fun because it's a complicated trick to do. And it's one of the first complicated tricks that I'm really doing all on my own. There's plenty of great YouTube videos if you want to teach your dog anything, but I've been trying to sort of figure out the process for it myself. And it's been interesting for me to see how it evolves because there's a lot of other considerations just even beyond the trick itself. A big focus has been safety with it and making sure it's sort of fun for him. So things like the shopping cart is fairly lightweight. So one of my first concerns was when he puts his paws up, is it going to tip forward and fall into him and scare him? So I started weighting the cart with, I have like soup cans. <laughs> so like trying to weight it. Or I was noticing at some point, like he was getting too excited when he put his paws up on the handle and they were slipping forward. And I was scared that they would get caught in like the wire of the cart. So I like wrapped it in a dish towel as he was learning. So it was like a safe padded surface of his paw slipped. Now he knows to put him on the handle so I don't have to have the dish towel there. But just like little things like that where we've been trying to go through at first, I was trying to do it on a carpet, but there's too much drag. So we're doing it on hardwood, but he's like speed racer and like, <laughs> <laughs> like the cart like gets away from him. So it's just been like a fun process to try to troubleshoot it as we're going through it. Um, he's doing pretty well with it. I'm excited. We've shared some videos of him putting his toys in it, but so far I've held off sharing any pictures of him pushing the cart or video of him pushing his cart. I know we had a number of our followers who were really curious about it. So I like announced in our stories, I was like, I'm going to go live. I'm going to show you our progress. I'm not going to post the video afterwards. So like you have to tune in right now if you <laughs> want to see it. So some people like got to see his progress and I think everyone enjoyed it. So I can't wait until we get a little further along and we can actually record this and share it with everyone. So one of my favorite tricks is his handstand, aka twerking. Can you talk about that a little bit? <laughs> yeah. The way we started with the trick, it's interesting. It's actually based on the idea of your dog is targeting something with his back paws. So I basically picked an object like a book and I taught him how to put his back paws on it. And then you start gradually raising the height. So then all of a sudden it's a stack of two books and he's got his papa's little feet up a little bit higher. And then you start increasing that height. And then all of a sudden he's got to jump his feet up, you know, six inches onto the back of the book. And once you sort of have your dog getting in this position of sort of being inverted, then you just sort of transition the book over to the wall. And then he figures out how to pop his legs up there. It's a trick that took us a while to teach because it's actually pretty physically strenuous for the dog. They're putting all of their body weight on their two front legs. So we took it slowly because I wanted him to sort of build up the muscle strength of doing that. You don't always think about how physically strenuous some of these tricks can be, but this one is a trainer had, had sort of not warned us, suggested to us that you go slowly with this one so that your dog can build up strength. So we would sort of add a new book to the height of his pile every week and just sort of gradually increase the height as he got used to the idea of having his body weight on his front legs. I think doing the handstand has become one of one of our favorite tricks. I feel like a little bit is our signature trick. Recently, I've been trying to take pictures of him doing his handstand 
in different like iconic places. Now he can do it long enough where he can hold the handstand for probably like 30 seconds, certainly long enough for me to get a photo. So I'm trying to get like pictures of him in his jean jacket against like graffiti walls. Or I have a picture of him, we were in Central Park and he's doing like a handstand against these boulders and just trying to find like cool ways to incorporate the handstand into different photos. It's our main Petcon image is him doing it on the backdrop. That is my favorite picture. This <laughs> he's on the step and repeat. I, I love that picture. Yeah. I like this the main image. Thanks. <laughs> and you have a column on Pet Insider, Teacher's Pet. Can you talk about that and what people can find? Yeah. Teacher's Pet is really fun. So it's every other Tuesday and we share some of our trials and tribulations in agility. Some of like the ups and downs and getting Sprout used to competition. Some of our tips for training or sort of working with your dog. And then also recently we've just been doing how-to videos on some of our favorite tricks. And if you watch them, it becomes pretty clear that I'm not a professional dog trainer. (laughs) These are not very professional videos. I I really like that. And there's two things I hope people get out of seeing these videos. Actually, I guess there's three things because I want them to actually learn the trick that I'm showing. But I want them to see that you don't have to be a professional to work with your dog. If you watch, I make mistakes. I like don't get my timing right. Like it's not a perfect process, but it still works. Like you don't have, you just have to do it. You don't have to be perfect at it. You just have to do it. And I also want people to see how engaged Sprout is and how much fun he's having. Sometimes if I'm like talking in the video too long, like he's sitting there in the background, like, let's go, let's go, let's go. (laughs) Um, Again, I'm not a professional, but I want to inspire people to realize how fun and how approachable it is to train with your dog and to learn tricks and just find it's been such a great way for me and Sprout to bond. And I hope that through seeing these videos, people are going to like be inspired or encouraged to try to do this with their own dog. And how has all of this training affected your relationship with Sprout? Our relationship has gotten so much closer. I've had dogs throughout my life, but none like him. Like the bond with him is just, I can't even describe it. It's just, it's, we've gotten to be so close. Particularly with agility training, you and your dog are really like a cohesive unit and we're, we're very close. But when he was a puppy, we actually weren't all that close. Sprout really liked me, but at the time his dad was working from home so he spent more time with him and like Sprout and I were not attached to the hip like we are now and once I started going to classes it just really brought us closer and we were sort of doing things together and he sort of gained his trust in me it's just been really great so obviously for taking photos it's great because he can pose and do all these things what about travel you guys travel a lot together being well trained has certainly helped with us traveling whether it's going out of town or even just being around in Manhattan. I bring him a lot of places with me. I'm so glad I put all this energy into training him as a puppy because it really paid off because I I achieved my goal of wanting a well-mannered dog. He is exceedingly polite, (laughs) but it's nice because I can bring him places, whether it's a store or a hotel or being at the airport. He's calm, he listens to me, he sits at my feet, he's friendly with other people, but not like overly rambunctious. I just really am so glad that I have a dog that I can bring around with me. And I also think a dog who is happy to be brought around with me. He's gotten used to and comfortable being in different places. There are some dogs who are homebodies and they don't wanna be out. And going to a store with their owner would be really overwhelming. For him, he's gotten used to that and he doesn't mind it. So I think that's been really great. So training him to be out in public is good too. 
but he also through that learned how to be comfortable in public and i think that's important that we always sort of make sure our dogs are happy and adjusted in whatever sort of human situation we're putting them in so in addition to being incredibly well trained he also is incredibly well dressed how did his fashion side come out? Probably because dog clothes are cheaper than human clothes. <laughs> so I feel like I used to shop for myself a lot and now I've just started shopping for the dog. It's fun to dress him up. He doesn't mind it. It's actually another trained behavior for him. And when he gets dressed in the morning, I'll like put the shirt over and he'll put his head in and then I'll say one paw and he'll pick up one paw and put it through. And then I go two paw and he puts the other paw through. So he helps get dressed in the morning. Um, it's been fun finding outfits. I feel like his little denim jacket has become a little bit of his signature look. Or right now he's in a polo because he's going to go with the office to me afterwards. So he's got to be <laughs> office appropriate. <laughs> Does he have any bad habits? Does he ever misbehave or is he just perfect all the time? He's not perfect all the time. He's he's <laughs> he's he's a good boy, but he has a couple of things that drive me bananas. Um, the one behavioral thing that he's sort of doing that bothers me is he started doing demand barking, which is you see it a lot in small dogs. And it's basically like the dog wants something and they bark until they get it. That's really annoying. Um, so we've been working on stopping that. So it'll be things like he will drop his ball somewhere and he will start barking at it and he wants me to get it. Or he wants something that's up on the counter so he'll try to bark until he gets it. I don't know where he picked it up because I have never like actually given him something when he's barked at it. Usually it's sort of opposite action, like it will take whatever it is away. Um, we've been working on training this actually with one of his favorite games, Fetch. And what we do is, one of the principles that I picked up in dog training is sort of this idea of positive reinforcement. And that's the idea that it is much easier to teach your dog what you want him to do than it is to try to explain all the things he's not supposed to do. I don't know how to train my dog not to bark, but I do know how to train my dog to ask for things politely. So if there's something that he wants, he can sit there and he can sort of look at me and like that's a behavior I'm okay with. So when we play fetch, sometimes if I was holding the ball and I wasn't throwing it fast enough, he'd start barking at me, which is not what I want. And so I worked on waiting until he would sit in front of me. And then once he would sit and was asking nicely, then I would throw the ball again. So that's been sort of a way that we've incorporated training into our daily lives to sort of work on a little bit of a behavioral issue by just trying to get him to be polite and how he asks for things. The one other thing that he does that drives me crazy is so his favorite toy are these teeny tiny tennis balls they're like an inch big and he really loves it and when I say he loves these balls like I'm not kidding he started bringing the ball to bed with him <laughs> like he will I've been sitting there and he's been like taking a nap in his bed and then all of a sudden he will get up he will walk across the room he will get his ball and he will bring it over to bed and curl back up asleep with his ball it's really sweet when he's not being sweet with the ball, he likes to shove it under furniture where he can't reach and bark. And it's the one thing he does that drives me crazy. I've actually started like, when I redecorate my apartment, finding furniture that like, <laughs> it's like sprout proof so that he can't like roll balls under there. When we travel, like he will immediately find whatever hotel nightstand that he can roll the ball under and like try to play this game. It's the one thing he does that drives me crazy. So along the same lines, you taught him not to bark when someone's at the door. Can you talk about that a little bit? It's okay for dogs to bark a little bit at the door. That's kind of their instinct. So I, I want him to still be a dog, but I think the problem becomes excessive barking or also I was concerned about him running out into the hallway. Again, I don't know how to get him not to bark, but I do know how to teach him what the reaction is that I wanted. And so I sort of thought about what do I want to happen when the doorbell rings? 
I want him to, it's okay if he barks once or twice, but then I want him to sit there and be quiet. So I started teaching him how to go to his bed and just sort of practicing that behavior independent of the doorbell ringing. And he learned how to, when I say go to bed and point my finger, he'll go jump in his bed. And then I started just pairing that to the doorbell. As a New Yorker who orders a lot of takeout, there are (laughs) ample opportunities to practice behavior on when your dog should do when the doorbell rings. But when the delivery guy would come and the doorbell would ring, I would cue Sprout to go to his bed. And over time, he has just sort of figured out that when he hears the doorbell, he'll bark once or twice, but then he goes and he jumps into his bed. What we have to work on next is, so he's great with the doorbell, but he's learned that my cell phone usually rings before the food comes because it's my doorman telling me that food is coming. So now when the phone rings, he starts to bark a little bit. (laughs) Um, So we've got to start like working on that one and getting him to like go to his bed when he starts hearing the phone ring. How has Sprout changed your life? He's just like this little bundle of joy. (laughs) He's just brought so much happiness to me. He's given me a lot to do. My hobbies now revolve around dogs and dog training. It's, I, I don't even... He's like this grumpy little dog, but he just makes people smile. And I think when he was a puppy, I started realizing that the sense of joy that I have when I look at him or or how he sits in my lap or whatever, other people feel that too when they see him. And so being able to start his account has actually been much more rewarding than I ever imagined. We will get notes every once in a while of, you know, my girlfriend's going through a really hard time, but every morning she shows me your post and it's like the one thing that makes her laugh or just people sending us really nice messages. And it's just been really fun to share him with the world and to just try to find a little silliness or or fun throughout the day doing tricks is adorable like that's one of the reasons I do it because it's fun and I try to be silly with it and so it's just this immediate little sense of joy that I can have or when I get home from work being able to get on the ground and like play with him just is such a great way to like forget about everything that happened in the 12 hours before and just really connect with him and enjoy myself and you've also picked up knitting again can you talk about that Um, I learned how to knit before I had Sprout. It's a very relaxing hobby. Um, I had to knit for a while, but I usually, I bring Sprout when I travel. I'm I'm not a good flyer, Um, but I had to take some business trips earlier this year and I couldn't bring Sprout. So I was like, okay, what can I do on the airplane that doesn't make me freak out? Um, I watch Sprout videos a lot. He made a video with littlethings.com and it was basically like a lullaby video where he was in pajamas and we basically filmed the dog taking a nap. And the video goes on for like 45 minutes and I downloaded that and I just watched that on the airplane. And I'm sure the guy next to me was like, what is wrong with this girl? She's just like watching this dog in pajamas sleep. (laughs) It was like the most soothing thing I could do. But I started knitting as well on the airplane and I've now started knitting sprout sweaters. It's pretty fast to like bust out a sweater for him. I mean, he's only five and a half pounds. It would probably be a much harder task if I had like a German Shepherd or something. But yeah, I started knitting him sweaters. It's a lot of fun. It's my <laughs> idea of fun. I'm not, I'm not sure everyone else would find it fun. But. So what are your tips for people just getting started with training? How should they start? What kind of tricks are the, the easy steps? If, I think one of the easiest ways you can pick a trick is to think about what your dog is naturally inclined to do. So Sprout often is a little dog. He pops up on his hind legs. He's trying to sort of see up. So I took that behavior and I taught him how to dance. That was really easy for him to do because he just sort of naturally popped up on his back legs. If you have like a like a floppy doodle dog that is always sort of like lying and rolling over under your, their back, teach him to roll over on cue. That's something that the dog is going to pick up on naturally and it'll just be easier for them to do. 
Um, side note, the one trick that Sprout really can't do and that I just don't even really try to teach him how to do is how to roll over. He does not like being on his back. Some of it I think is mental discomfort, but I also think physically it's just not, it's not painful for him, but it just feels awkward. If you see him, he's a fairly rigid dog. He has like the most exceptional posture I've ever seen. And he just doesn't feel comfortable being on his back. So there's no point in me really teaching that trick to him because he's just not going to enjoy it. I'm sure I could teach him how to do it, but he's not having fun with it. So I sort of skipped that trick. But if you have a dog who loves rolling over and he's always sort of rolling over on his back for belly scratches, turn that into a cute trick and teach him to roll over. The other thing I would say for people who are getting started is to just have fun with it and feel free to be silly with it think about like your dog's personality and something that could be cute so if you have like a little fashionista dog teach her how to carry a toy purse like find find a way just to have fun and to enjoy it i would also say practice in short spurts like i said your dog's attention span is only so long they can get frustrated after a while you might get frustrated so just practice for a few minutes here or there and that's really all it takes and just have fun the tricks in the progress will eventually come um one of the things i hope people see with our videos again is i'm not perfect when i'm doing it but I still have a dog who's learned how to do all this stuff. So I feel like if you just do it, it will come. And what's next for you guys? Any exciting plans? Um, mostly just the shopping cart. <laughs> <laughs> the, the shopping cart. I, I like rush home from work to like practice the shopping cart. Like people be like, what are you doing this weekend? Oh, I'm working on the shopping cart trick. And they're like, okay, that's not really what I meant. I think agility competitions as well. They've been a little bit of an up and down. At the beginning of competition, Sprout really enjoyed it. And then all of a sudden, he started getting overwhelmed with the trials. There's a lot of a noise. There's a lot of commotion. Um, so for a while, he was getting nervous at trials. He's now getting past that nervousness. So I want to start doing more trials with him, but I just got to make sure he feels ready to do that. And if you want to see Sprout in action, come to PetCon. <laughs> yes. We were, we were PetCon last year and had the most fun ever. Um, we did a, a training session and he got to do a lot of his tricks on stage. I was so nervous beforehand that I was going to get up there in front of the audience and be like, okay, Sprout, sit. And he would just look at me with a blank stare because he's definitely done that before <laughs> I remember when we were at the Moda Apparandi holiday shoot a few years ago that was right after he learned how to dance we were at a photo shoot and once they sort of taken the actual shots everyone was just doing silly things and, and I was like oh he can dance we can get like a picture of him dancing in the sweater and Sprout's cue to dance is basically me like doing a shimmy to dance <laughs> and it looks really it looks really cute when the dog mirrors me in dance but we were in front of everyone and I was like, oh, he can dance. So I started like doing my little like dance moves to try to get Sprout to dance. And he just stared at me like I was crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and he wouldn't dance and I felt so dumb. Um, so anyways, I was really nervous that was gonna happen at PetCon, but it didn't. He's a little performer. I think he had a lot of fun and he just showed off all of his Saw tricks. Saw the crowd and was like, let's go. He's like, let's do this, let's do this. <laughs> yeah, he definitely has a little bit of a performer sense to him. It was a lot of fun. We're really looking forward to being back there this year. Um, looking forward to meeting everyone. If you come, you can get a high five from Sprout. I've taught him how to give people high fives. He He's very friendly, but he's not, and he's cuddly with me, but he doesn't want to be like picked up and like squeezed and snuggled by strangers. And so I was trying to think of how can I make interacting with Sprout really enjoyable and unique for people. So one of my favorite tricks that he does with me is just a little high five. And I've worked on making sure he knows how to give other people high fives. And so it's just a really fun way that they can like come and interact and, and behave with him. So come to PetCon, you'll get a high five. 
you can dance with Sprout too. Make a fool of yourself. It'll be a lot of fun. <laughs> that was Sigrid Nielsen, human to the dog agency client, Brussels Sprout. To keep up with Sprout, follow brussels.sprout on Instagram. And to learn new tricks, follow their column, Teacher's Pet, on petinsider.com. We hope you enjoyed the episode. Please leave us an awesome review and make sure to subscribe so you don't miss a thing. If you have any pet-related topics you want us to cover, email us at podcast at petinsider.com. To listen to past episodes, visit petinsider.com slash podcast. I'm Lonnie Edwards, and thank you for listening to the Pet Insider Podcast. Talk soon.